You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Man, it's just, it's so awesome to see just people get in the posture of worship. And it's, it's awesome for me standing here in the front. I can hear people just singing and lifting up the name of Jesus. And it encourages me to know that we're not just going to be a people that come to church and just go out and never be the church outside of these four walls. Right? We've been talking about the entire year being the church beyond the 52 Sundays. Man, and I'm encouraged to know that we have a community here at Impact Church that believes in that. We believe in getting outside of these walls and being the church in our community, being the church in our, in our workplaces, at our schools, everywhere that we go, being the hands and feet of Jesus. And I'm encouraged that you guys have, have taken that seriously, that mission that we have from God. And we're going to continue on in our Bah Humbug series this morning, and this is week three. So far, we've got to see uh, Mary's perspective when she was told that she was going to be pregnant with the Son of God. We last week got to see Joseph's perspective and how he could have responded different ways, and he chose mercy. And we got to see some qualities that we find in, in his life and his response, and how we can really live those out ourselves. And we were in Matthew chapter 1. Last week, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2. This week, we're going to continue on in the story. And we're going to get to see some, some interesting things this morning. One of the things we're going to get to see is how the world responded to Jesus. And then we're going to get to see how some religious people responded to Jesus. And then we're going to get to see how some maybe even non-Christians responded to Jesus. We're going to get to see three different groups of people, how they responded to Jesus. And what I want us to take out of this today is, which group are we in? How do we respond to Christmas? How do we respond to the fact that Jesus really did come, that Jesus is who He says He is? And before you begin to answer that question in your head right now, I want you to, to just Put that aside and think for a moment, not, not what you believe intellectually, but how you live life on a daily basis. Because your response isn't mentally, your response is the actions that you take, right? The life that you live. So what I want us to do is I want us to get past the, the, the mindset part. I want us to get into the, the raw, practical life that we live on a daily basis, and I want us to put ourselves in this circumstance, in this situation, and see how we would respond to Jesus. Because the truth is this, that you get, to, you get to respond each and every day. And only you know how you respond. So we're going we're gonna to read about Herod this morning. And man, he was not a, he was not a great guy. King Herod was a, was a worldly man. He was a really smart guy. He was really good administratively. He was really good business-wise. He, he was a decent uh, leader when it comes to building up an empire, but he was a, a horrible human being morally. He killed 
people. He killed his own family to retain power. Any time there was a threat to his power, he eliminated the threat. And we're going to get to see his response to this new baby being born who they are calling the king of the Jews. So let's read this together. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. We're just going to read the first six verses and then we'll jump around a little bit. But I want you to really understand the context of what's happening. So in Matthew 2, verse 1 says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Let's pray. God, I pray that you speak through your word this morning. God, I pray that your spirit moves in this place. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's the context. Herod had been king for a long time. He was at the end of his reign. He had defeated all enemies, all threats. He had eliminated. He had killed wives. He had, he had killed his own children. He had just been the type of leader that just annihilated anything that got in his way. So here come some guys who say, hey, where is the, the king of the Jews? We, we heard that he was born and we want to go worship him. And this troubles Herod because even though Herod's not a Jew, he is the ruler of the Jewish people at this time. So he doesn't need someone being king of the Jews besides him. So what he does is he calls all the smart people, the priests, the scribes, the people that would know the answer to this question. He calls them together. They have a business meeting. I don't know if you've ever been in a business meeting, but they are not fun. They're boring. And they have this big meeting and he's like, hey, so where is this king of the Jews supposed to be born? And these guys knew the answer. I mean, this is who they were. They were, they were the chief priests. They were the scribes. They were the intellectual religious people of the day. So they tell them where this baby was going to be born. And then we see, we're not going to read this, but then Herod, he, he thinks of some plan. He says, hey, so when you find him, he's talking to the wise men, when you find this baby, come back and tell me because I want to go and worship him too. Which we know that that's not the case, right? Herod wanted to go and eliminate the threat that he saw in this new baby, king of the Jews. And then the, the wise men go, they, the star comes back, they're led to the house. And then in verse 11, we see this, And going into the house, they, the wise men, saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. So the wise men, they're led to the house, they go in the house, they worship Jesus, they give him gifts, and then they are notified by an angel that, hey, so Herod's trying to trick you. Do not go back to him. Go, go the opposite direction because he really wants to hurt this baby. He doesn't want to come and worship, so they go a different direction. And then the story continues, and then in verse 16, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked 
by the wise men became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. So here's, here's what happens. The wise men realize that they're, they're being tricked, so then they trick Herod. Herod being the narcissist that he is, he doesn't like that. So he, he still has to find a way to eliminate this threat. So he orders his soldiers to go and kill all male children two years or younger in that region. Man, and this is, this, is, this is truth. This is history. That they go and that they kill babies. And I know that this is morbid and I know some of you may not want to hear this, but this is the truth. Herod is so just hungry and thirsty for power. And he feels so threatened that he orders guards to go and kill every baby, every baby boy, two years or younger in that region. And they go and they do that. But before this happens, an angel tells Joseph, hey, get your family out of, out of town. Take Mary, take Jesus and go. So they go. So his plan doesn't work, Right? And the, the context here is important because we have a king who is just so self-focused, a king who is so hungry for power, he will do anything to keep it. We have some chief priests and some scribes. We have some religious people who know all the answers. And then we have some wise men who follow a star to the house where Jesus is. So we have three different groups of people, and what I want us to do is see how they all responded. But I want to make it really practical for us this morning so that we can really put ourselves in the shoes of one of these groups. So number one, there's three ways to look at Christmas, to look at Jesus, and number one is this, with hostility. We can look at Christmas, we can look at Jesus with hostility. And we see that Herod did this. This was Herod's response. Herod, he was hostile towards this baby being born king of the Jews because that threatened his power. But Herod stands really as a symbol of the world that Jesus came into. A world that hated him. And if we think now in 2021 that the world still doesn't hate Jesus, then we're mistaken. Because we still live in a world that is against Jesus. We live in a world that, that hates Jesus. It just looks a little different for us. It looks different in the, uh, the American evangelical church because what we've done is we've kind of distorted who Jesus is so that we could all accept that. When the truth is we can't change who Jesus is so that the church can, can form the way that we want to form, right? Right? Jesus is who He is, and we have to change to Him. So this is, this is what it looks like, and this is, this is tricky. It doesn't look like a king trying to kill baby Jesus. It looks like a world who says that they love Jesus and they have no clue who He is. It's a world who wants to continue to live life the way that they want to live life and do things the way that they want to do things. And they say that Jesus, His grace covers that. And because we have grace, we can continue to sin. We can continue to live however we want to live. And then we see that the, the Apostle Paul says, hey, no, grace does not give you the license to continue to sin. Actually, grace changes who you are. 
But we live in a world that's hostile towards Jesus. We see in John chapter 1, verse 10 and 11 says this, He was in the world, Jesus, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. Man, and maybe you're in that group this morning. Maybe you're in a group that you don't really have the hostility that we think of when we hear the word hostility. But you, you live a life that really doesn't receive Jesus. You live a life that, man, you know about Him, but you really haven't accepted that into your own life. You know that He was born. You know that He existed. You know that He died on a cross. Maybe you know all of that. But you're hostile to the fact that if you put your faith and your trust in Him, then everything about you has to conform to who He is. And guess what? Man, we're power-hungry people. Amen? Man, we love power. And if we don't admit that, then we can never get past that. Right? We, we love ourselves. Most of us in this room, nobody loves us more than we do. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself, right? Nobody loves me as much as I do. And I'm just going to be honest. You can ask my wife. Like, she doesn't even love me as much as I love me. And I don't know if that's because her love's a little low or my love's really high. But the truth is, we are people that are selfish. And when we accept the fact that God is real, then that must change who we are. And that causes hostility. And I'm, I'm prayerful that none of you are in that boat where you're just hostile towards the fact that God is real and that He wants something different for your life. But the second thing that we see, the, the second way to look at Christmas, to look at Jesus, and we're going to spend a lot of time here, is indifference. Is indifference. See, the, the scribes represent the, the religious people of the time. They had all the answers. They knew exactly what was happening. They had read about it. They knew the Scripture. They, they knew all of the answers. They had it all in their minds and their brains. Herod calls them together in a group. They give him the answer, but guess what they didn't do? They didn't go try to find Jesus. Because they cared way more about the knowledge than they cared about the Savior. It didn't change who they were. They were just indifferent. And I'm afraid that it, the American church has, has created a lot of indifferent people. Man, here, here's the truth. That God has called us to something way, way, way different than just sitting on the sidelines and hoping that everything turns out great. God has called us to, to follow right after Him. And we see in Revelation that, um, that it's talking to a church in Revelation 3, verses 15 and 16. And this is a well-known verse, but I want us to really take this in today. It says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And I want you to really understand that the picture of this is spit you out really means to vomit. 
So God is, is throwing that up because God doesn't want you to be uh, lukewarm. He wants you to, to be hot following after Him. And if you're not following after Him, if you're not chasing after Him, then guess what? You're, you're leaning on the cold side. You're indifferent a lot of times because you don't think that you have what it takes to follow Jesus. And here's the truth. You don't. And neither do I. That's where faith comes in. Man, and I think we've done a, we've done a poor job as, as leaders sometimes making you think that you have to do something different, that you have to change this or that you have to change that. That's not what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is when, when you really know that the Son of God was born on this earth and that He lived a life that was perfect, that He became the, the perfect sacrifice, that He took your place, that He was a substitute for you on the cross, that He loved you enough to die. And that He was powerful enough to defeat death. That He left and He sent a helper in the Holy Spirit to live within you as believers so that you could continue to do the work of the Father. When you believe that, you have to be different. So I'm not telling you to take these, these different actions and to start performing them. What I'm telling you is really allow the truth of the Gospel to sink in. Allow the truth of the gospel to penetrate your heart and to change you from the inside out. Man, I get so frustrated when I hear people, they come up with some list of, hey, if you do this and you do this and you do this, man, your life's going to be great. And I'm not telling you that you shouldn't have some, some good habits and I'm not telling you that that stuff's not important. What I'm telling you is you do not have the power. I do not have the power to, to be more like Jesus. We become more like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we receive more of the Holy Spirit when we ask for more of the Holy Spirit. It's biblical. Paul tells us to continuously ask for more and more of the Spirit. And once the Spirit begins to fill us up, then our life begins to transform and we begin to look more like Jesus. But we're indifferent because this is what we rather do. we rather come to church on Sunday. And I'm not telling you not to come. I want you to come. I think it's good to come, right? It's good to fellowship. The Bible speaks of that. It speaks of, of meeting together and, and not forsaking that meeting and not forsaking worshiping together. I'm not telling you not, not to go to life group and to, to do life with one another and to build each other up. But a lot of us, we come to church on Sunday morning, we leave, and man, we may think about God once or twice throughout the week, and then the next Sunday we're right back at church. Man, and we're motivated and we're inspired and we leave here and we're ready to take on the world until the world says, hey, well, here I am, let's go. And it's like, yeah, well, I thought I was ready to take it on, I'm really not. Like, that was just, was just really excited. And then we come back to church the next week and it's just a cycle. And you know what? It's because we've never allowed it to sink in. And we're at a place in, in the life of our church to where we truly believe as a leadership team that our next step 
Our next step is for people in leadership, for people that come and sit out here. The next step for our church is to get to a place where we're living intimately with Jesus. Where it's real in our life. And we didn't start this church to to be a social club and we would never allow it to become that. And I'm not saying this to say that we think it has because we don't think that. We believe that people are, are growing spiritually. But we also know that people, they're in this stagnant state of indifference. And it's from the top all the way down. It's not, I'm not pointing fingers at you because we always look at ourselves first as leaders. And we can't be indifferent anymore. Man, the stakes are too high. Because it's not just your life at stake. It's the life of all those around you. God has called you to be His hands and feet to the people that you do life with. And how many of us can say that we're truly being the hands and feet of Jesus? And I'm not going to give you a list of things to do. I'm going to tell you to allow what God did by sending Jesus. What Jesus did by being the Savior of the world. To let that sink in and penetrate who you are. And if you do that, then you have to look at Christmas this third way. So we have hostility and difference. And number three is this, worship. There's one final group here. We have Herod who who represents the hostility in the world. We have the, the scribes, the chief priests who represent the religious people who just, man, they knew all the answers, but they didn't care. And then we have the wise men who came and worshipped the king, who came and worshipped the Savior of the world. And we see that right in verse 11 of Matthew 2. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped Him. They fell down and worshipped Him. And then, man, this is one of my favorite verses. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29 says this, Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And when we, when we truly allow the truth of the gospel to sink in, that we've been given a kingdom, we've been given salvation that cannot be shaken, then we have to worship God. We have to worship the Savior because we know where we were. We were in the, the grips of death, in the grips of hell, in the grips of sin. And God said, I love you. I don't want you in that life anymore. I want to give you eternal life. I want to give you victory. I want to give you freedom. And when we experience that, when we go from death to life, when we go from bondage to freedom, when we go from trying to to live the best we can and always failing to living for Jesus and always having victory, we have to worship God. And we can't help it. And I don't know if you've ever been in some near-death situation I, I can exaggerate a little bit, right? 
I'm just going to, I want to be honest and transparent. I was in a, I was in a wreck one time on I-20 and it was raining real bad in a hydroplane and my truck was kind of spinning around and man, it was really scary. And I call that a, a near death experience for me. My truck never flipped or anything like that, but still for me, it was near death. I was scared and I never, I'll never forget that moment. And man, when, it, when my truck finally stopped and I was off the road and I knew I was out of danger, it was still raining really hard outside. And to make it worse, I was leaving a softball tournament and we had just lost our first two games of the tournament and we were out. So it's like, man, this is a horrible day, right? I played two games. We lost both. I'm out. Now I go home. I have a wreck. My truck is really jacked up. I don't know what to do. I got to call my mom or my dad. Like, this is, yeah, and I'm an adult, but hey, here's something that you're going to realize, right? Even when you're an adult, you still need mom and dad. Amen? Like, we never get to a place where we don't need them. And if you're a young parent, I want you to understand that. That, man, and I'm trying to grasp this because when my girls turn 18, I'm like, hey, y'all are gone. But I'm trying to realize that they're still going to need me at 30. And, I, and I'm praying about that. I'm trying to get that. But man, I was, I was in this moment and I just remember sitting there. I remember sitting in my truck and I had two guys with me. One guy was in the back seat and the back glass had shattered and he was, he was just freaking out. I was like, dude, calm down, man. It ain't that bad. The other guy, and this is what really got me, the other guy who was in the passenger seat, he was my best friend. He's still one of my best friends. And he had just found out like a week before that his, his fiance was pregnant. And he said that all he could think about while the truck was spinning is, man, I'm never going to get to see my kid. And then we get stopped and we're talking. And he's just so, so grateful that it wasn't worse than it was. And man, my heart's beating real fast. And I'm, I'm like, man, I'm glad I didn't kill you, dude. I love you. And I'm grateful that it wasn't worse than it was. But man, when, when you realize that you could, have, you could have died, it could have been really bad, and you didn't, then it just changes something inside of you. And that's what happened to us spiritually. And I think we have to allow that to sink in in the same kind of way. That we were, we were on a path to, to death. And some of you, you were, you were chained in sin that you never thought you'd get out of. And God said, I love you. I love you so much that I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send my son to be born, to live amongst you. To be treated horribly. And at any moment, Jesus could have said, I'm out. They're not that important. But He didn't say that. He loved you enough to finish the race. He loved you enough to go all the way to the cross so that you didn't have to experience death. 
and that you could have eternal life with Him forever. And because of death, how can we not worship the Savior who rescued us from death? I'm going to close with this this morning, but man, people respond in different ways. We know that. There's, there may be people in your family that respond in different ways to Christmas, different ways to Jesus. Maybe there's people in your family that, that respond with hostility. Maybe there's people in your family that respond with indifference. Maybe there's people in your family that respond with true worship. And we see that play out all around us. You see that at work. You see that in your families. You see that at school. You see that at the ball fields with other parents. There's a lot of different people in a lot of different ways that they respond. But man, the most important question is, how do you respond? How do you respond to Jesus? And you may be surprised if we started in the back of the auditorium and asked everyone to stand up, say, hey, so which one would you respond with? Man, and everyone just stand up and give their true answer. You may be surprised to see some of those answers. But I'm, I don't want you to think about the people around you because the question's for you. How do you respond to Jesus? Do you respond with hostility? Now maybe you've had a really bad experience with church. Maybe you've had a really bad experience in life and you just don't think that God's for you. You don't think that He's really working things out. You don't think that He loves you. Man, and I just want you to know that, that Scripture teaches us that I've experienced it personally. And that God loves me more than I love me. And I've already told you how much that is. And some of you, maybe... Maybe you're just indifferent. Maybe you've never been challenged to really take that next step of faith. Maybe you've never been challenged to, to really allow the gospel to, to penetrate your life and to change you from the inside out. Maybe you grew up in church and you know the Bible verses and you went to Awana on Wednesday nights and man, you wanted all the jewels in your thing and you wanted, you wanted all the prizes and you're really good at memorizing stuff so you memorized a lot of verses but it didn't change who you were. And maybe as you've gotten older you've just become more and more indifferent. Man, Christmas is a season for you to respond to Jesus. And maybe today's the day that you say, hey, I'm, I'm done with the in, being indifferent. And maybe some of you, you've allowed it to sink in and you respond with worship. And you respond with true, intimate, authentic, acceptable worship because you know that you've been given a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You serve a God who is a consuming fire. You're in awe of Him because of who He is. But the question that you have to answer this morning is how do you respond to Christmas?
If information alone could save you, then even Herod would have been saved. But it's not just that. It's not what you know, but what you do with what you know. Man, we've used this analogy before, but man, I know a, I can know anything I want to know about losing weight. And that's not going to help me unless I start doing it. And obviously I have not started doing it yet. The new year is coming, baby. It's not what you know. It's what you do with the information that really matters. And I just wrote some things down and I'm going to end right here, but if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah, if you believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world, if you believe that Jesus came to save you specifically from your sins, if you believe that Jesus died on a cross in your place, if you believe that Jesus really did defeat death and He rose from the grave, if you believe that Jesus ascended back into heaven and that He's coming back, if you believe all of that, then my challenge for you is to do what the wise men did and worship. If you truly believe all of that, there's no way that you could live life without worshiping the Savior of the world. I'm going to give you a chance to, to respond this morning in a way that maybe you've never responded before. I'm not going to ask you to stand up this morning, but I am going to ask that you're just honest. And I'm going to ask that if you want to make a decision to respond differently this morning, that, that you do just stand right where you are. And if you're in this place this morning and you are the, you're the hostile one, maybe, maybe you're not hostile by killing people, and I appreciate that. But maybe you're just hostile because you just, you're mad. You're frustrated. And you want to you wanna respond differently this morning. You want to you wanna just say, hey, I'm done. I'm done with the hostility and I want to worship Him. Will you just stand right where you are in this place? And then this morning, if you're, if you're indifferent, you know the answers, you know what you're supposed to, to be doing when it comes to following Jesus, and man, it just hasn't really changed you a whole lot. Maybe at one time it changed you, and you just kind of drifted away from that, and you're just, you're just living a life of indifference. And this morning, you want to say, I'm done with that, and I want to live a life of, of worship. By the way, everybody's going to be standing when we're done. So don't feel like you're going to be left out. If that's you this morning, will you just stand where you are? And if you're in this place, and you can honestly say, man, I, I respond in worship. I'm living a life of worship. I don't really need to change anything because I've let it sink in. I've let it penetrate and I'm not living indifferent. If that's you this morning, will you just stand up where you are?
Now, my prayer this morning is that everyone was honest, right? But even if you weren't, that's okay, because God knows. God knows your heart. God knows the decision that you need to make. He knows the next step of faith for you. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us to be a group of people, a a community of faith that truly responds and worship to the Savior of the world. And when we leave this place, we don't leave this place the same. That when we walk out of these doors, we walk out of these doors differently than when we came in. And we have a posture and an attitude of of worship like never before. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.